0: Uh, We are studying through the book of Colossae. If you are here for the first time, we are doing a verse-by-verse study. We go through the letters of Paul. uh, We go through the Gospels. We go through the Old Testament verse-by-verse. I find it in my time that I've preached the Word of God, that it helps the people with the knowledge of God and through that also with the wisdom of God. This year we started with the book of Colossians. Colossians shows the preeminent Christ. That is for me the center of the whole book. And we need to understand in our day in life and age the preeminence of Christ. The total authority of Jesus Christ. He's above everything. There's nothing in life that is more powerful than Jesus Christ. And this is what this whole letter to the church in Colossae is talking about. And we have looked over the last few weeks and so how Paul addresses this letter to this church. But never leave it out of your minds that we have Jesus Christ as the head of the church. Now, the pastor is not the head of the church. The pastor of the church is only a servant to the head of the church who is Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate shepherd of the people and here this morning we are coming to Colossians chapter 2 and we're going to look at two verses today just two verses and we're going to see what the Lord is teaching us it's a warning that Paul gives this church in Colossae remember what I said last week it's not only addressed to them it's addressed to us as well because the word of God is outside of time Just as Jesus is outside of time. The Bible says he's yesterday, today, and forever what? Come on, you say it. The same. He's the same. He doesn't change. Now, if you go into John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, Logos, which means the written Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus Christ is God. Yes? Yes? That's what he teaches. Yesterday, today and forever is the same. The word today is still our plumb line. It's still today our direction. We go to the word of God and study the word of God. And here now Paul writes to us in Colossians chapter 2 verse 8 the following. He says, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy. Everybody say philosophy. Philosophy. We're going to look at philosophy today. You go, oh, but I came to church to hear the preaching. Well, that is what it is today. The philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. He warns them against the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. The problem today is that people are following everything except Christ. This is what Paul warns them. Then he says in verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. How wonderful is the word of God. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the public reading of your word this morning. And as I say so many times, which I believe, if I close the Bible today and right now go home, I am satisfied that, I've given voice to your word and your word was heard in the world today. I praise you for that in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, I do pray, ask you for strength this morning. I'm going to need it. I'm going to need your Holy Spirit this morning, Father, to guide me, to touch my minds, my lips, Father. Father, give me a peaceful heart to bring the message over in a way that the hearers can understand and live and grow from it. In Jesus' name, amen. So he warns them about philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men and rudiments of the world. But we saw last week in Colossians chapter 1 verse 28, the only way that we can go against philosophy is what? He says it right there, Him we preach. Who's the Him? Jesus. He says to the church in Colossae, we preach Jesus. When Paul came in there, well, he wasn't there physically, but if Patras went to the church in Colossae, he preached Jesus. When James went there, he preached Jesus. Friends, when I stand in front of you here in the church in Current Downs, I need to preach Jesus. Jesus needs to be the center of the message. Whatever I say, I need to stand back and He needs to come forward so that you can hear through the message this morning, Jesus. I said it so many times and I said it this morning again, that I can't do anything for you but preach Jesus. The only one who can help you in your circumstances is Him. And this is what Paul said to them. He said to them, Him we preach. How do we preach Him? Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. The only one who will make you perfect is Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor and strive according to His working which works in me mightily. He warns them in in chapter 2 verse 4, He says to them, Now I say lest anyone should deceive you with persuasive words. In verse 4. That means it is convincing words. I'm not standing here in front of you this morning to try to persuade you with convincing words. Nice and high and mighty words. Thou art and all of these kind of things. Friends, I can't do that. No, no. He warns them this morning against philosophy and all of these other things. Now, let's look at this first part here. He says, Beware any man, lest any man spoil you. The the word spoil there means to cheat you or to rob you. And he warns. He says, Watch out. People is going to come into the church and they're going to try to rob you. It's fascinating to see that false teachers and wolves who comes in sheep clothing into the churches you don't see them standing on corners preaching Christ do you they never go out and try to make their own followers no they come into the churches and when they come into the churches they look for the young lambs yeah. do you know that we are called sheep in the bible do you know that we are, we are shown like sheep but when they come in, they will look around the congregation and they will be all full of love and then they look for the young lambs. What is a young lamb? Is somebody who might have given their heart just to Christ? Or, listen to this now, I'm going to show it to you. They look for the ones who are not strong in the Word of God. They look for those people who's not strong in the Word of God. And I'll tell you, it's easy to go into churches and to identify them. You have a conversation at tea and coffee afterwards with a few people, and I can tell you who are strong in the Word of God and who are not strong in the Word of God. And these, these wolves in sheep clothing will target them. And this is what Paul is warning here. You say, well, how can you prove that as well, brother? I, I take you to Acts. When he go to Ephesus before he went back to Rome he warns them he says watch out people will come in and try to destroy you you say is that relevant message for today yes it is we are living in the final times brothers and sisters now is the time that you need to understand and listen to what's been preached to you the he says here watch out this is a military term here it means That somebody will come in and they will lead you away. Now put you back in the days when Paul was living in the Roman Empire and the Greeks and everything. They had slaves there. And I don't know if you've seen the movies back in those days how the slaves were following the masters. They didn't just walk in a in a group and follow him, no. They had chains. They were chained and they would have something around their necks and they were chained from neck to neck. And the picture you need to see here is that the taskmaster walks in the front and he's got the end of the chain and he walks. Well, that is if they walk. But what I've seen sometimes is they would have horses and the chain will be connected to the horse and these poor souls will just drag along and you can't get tired. Why? Because the one in the front is setting the pace. You're always pleasing the one in front. Are you with me now? This is what these people want to do. They want to come in and they want to make you their slave. They want to make you their follower. And they will set the pace and you will will have to keep up to their pace. And this is what Paul warns them. It's a serious warning here. He says, beware. Do you understand what that word means? I I walked past a, a property one time. And as I walked past the property, it was nicely fenced off. And the gate was closed, and right there on the gate it said, "Beware of the dog." Have you seen that? What's the first thing you do? You look for that. The dog. <laughs> you look for the dog. So, in other words, beware means look out. He wants you to look out for this. He wants you to actively look out and watch out for these people. Now, we have to compare this with Colossians chapter one verse thirteen. Who's got a Bible who wants to open up there quickly? Colossians 1 13 Do you want to read it for us Debbie? Do you feel you? <coughs> Sorry, putting you on the spot. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has uh, translated us into the kingdom of yes. Now listen what it says, Who has delivered us from what? the power of darkness who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of what? of his son there you've got the picture that he warns us against here he says that there is a power of darkness and remember I preached over this I'm not going to repeat that sermon there is a power of darkness who is Who is the, the, it's not a king, who is the leader of the power of darkness? Satan, Lucifer. And he came and he rescued us out of that and he put us into what? The kingdom of the sun. Look, there's only one kingdom in the world and that's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Satan is not a king of his kingdom. He has no kingdom. He's a created being. And this is what Paul warns us about. There's three Uh, things that he warns us about you see these captives are ignorant of the truth of the word of God and that's why they are so easily captive that's what I said you can go into any place and you can talk to people and if you if you understand that they haven't got a, a knowledge running of the truth of the word of God you know if you're a wolf you can capture these people they they know that this is how it happens they are fascinated with four things that them, uh, warns them about. Four things. These people who can easily be captured. First of all is philosophy. Then vain deceit. And then the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world. We'll quickly look into all of those. The first one he talks about is philosophy. Philosophy. This word comes from two words. Two Greek words. It comes from the word philio. Philia is one of four words that means love. And it comes from a second word, Sophia. Sophia in in the Greek, in the New Testament, means wisdom. So this then means a love for wisdom. Philosophy means a love for wisdom. And these Greeks love their philosophy. They love to sit around and ask questions and try to answer them. These big questions these difficult questions. Have you seen the picture of the man sitting with his arm like this in his head, lying on that? And he thinks, he thinks, and he thinks deeply, my brother and sister, all the wisdom of the universe. And they tried to, to work it out. And, oh, they had a laugh for this wisdom. They would walk around with their little followers behind them and they, they'd say, Oh, brothers and sisters, be quiet. There here walks a wise man. A wise man. It started back in 585 with a man called Thales, T H A L E S. Thales. He's a man in 585 BC. He asked a question. You see, what Thales came out, he says, it is the question of one and many. One and many. You say, is that applicable? You and I live in it. They are teaching it from our schools. What I'm going to tell you now. It is philosophy. What is the one and the many? Well, it is the relationship between unity and diversity. And now these Greek philosophers would sit down and say, Oh, we need wisdom to think this through. The one and the many. The unity and diversity. If you look around us, We find words in our vocabulary we use every day, which came from the philosophers. It's this question. It's this question. A word like, for instance, the word universe. Think about the word universe. It talks about a system of reality with diverse objects in it. Are we living in one universe? Are we? Well, if you say no, I don't know which planet you're from well even if you're from a different planet you're in the same universe and by the way let me just say this Stephen Hawkins is wrong, the universe is not expanding it ain't expanding anymore I, I've heard, you, you know that he's passed on you know that he passed away well now we will know the truth <laughs> he's met the one who knows everything and, and you know I, I must dearly say this morning he's going to appear before the king of kings and the lord of lords and the creator of the universe and guess what, he's have to say I bow my knee and say I'm wrong, and you know what he will say, you know what he will say this morning, he will shout out from the chasms of the darkness and say burn my books and my words the question of one and many Hawkins is wrong the universe is not expanding look, I haven't got the degrees that he had no, no. No, I'm, I'm, I'm a, a gold miner's son. Came from Stilfontein, South Africa. I, I grew up there. I've got matric, which is just a school. But but this I can tell him. When I read the Bible, when listen to me, let me just tell you this. When I open up in Genesis, and this is not only me, Andre, everybody in here can be brilliant in the Word of God. Let me just say this. When Jesus, When God created the earth in seven literal days, He said at the end, it is finished, it's complete and it was good. There's no more new creation going on, the matter which is in the world today is the matter that's there. It's not disappearing and it's not getting more. But you know, he's a philosopher and a scientist. And this is where it comes from. The question about one and many. The universe. You see within the word universe you find uni which means one and verse which is the second word of it which means the many. The many now. Now they sit around. They sit around and they go, "Oh, these clever people, how does all of this fit together? The individual versus the multitude. Is is it all running with cosmos which means in unity or is it chaos?" Man, I can talk for hours about this because I love this stuff. And they write books and people buy them and they get rich. The cosmos, the unity and the many. Is it chaos? Some of them will sit and say, and they will bring out a thesis. Oh, this is what they call it. If you want to sound really clever, listen Robin, you call it a thesis. This is my thesis, and they bring it out, man, and it sounds so good. And you know, it's got all these pompous words in there. Is pompous the right word I'm using? I'm trying to be clever now, okay? I want to sound clever this morning, eh? But they use all of these big words in there, and you think, whoa, these people are very what? They've got a lot of wisdom and knowledge. But it's that question. In fact, there's another word in our, in our, di- in, in our vocabulary that we use which has got this engraved in it, it's the word university. You remember the word university? University, uni and university it's where you, in one campus you come in and you've got all of these different subjects. You've got maths, you've got science, you've got biology and all of these things and all of what they say is we're going to bring one person into this university, into this all of this and through either cosmos or chaos we're going to make him a better person, better person. This is philosophy. I think it's interesting that Paul warns them against philosophy. You see, these philosophers, they are searching for the ultimate truth. Oh, what is truth? Come on, can you answer me what's truth? Forget about the Bible now. Let's just sit down and think, what is truth? Come on. Everybody, I'll go around in in, in the church this morning and ask you, what is truth? You know what? Kylie will come up and say, truth for me is, uh, I don't know, just to be truthful to yourself. Oh, that's a lot of wisdom. Let's write a book about that. Oh, oh, and then, then we go on and we ask Philip, what is truth after? For me, truth is, uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know, just the wind blowing out there. I walk out and I feel the wind. It, it, it is, it is uh, experience. Oh, that's a lot of wisdom. Wow. Truth is experience. And they'll write a book about truth is experience. And you know what's going to happen? People are going to buy it. Why? Because the world is looking for truth. So, they will find themselves teachers who will trickle the ears with what they want to hear. And, and, and in that book, they'll give you a five point plan to, to make yourself better. You know, let, let's get better. And, and then we'll go around and, you know, we, we go to Paul and say, What is truth? You now, Paul is a very hard worker. He says, Truth for me is when I finish my work on a day and I stand back and I go, Man, I feel so truth. So, wow, that is a lot of wisdom now. Truth is hard work. We'll write a book about... Oh, no, no, wait a minute. Now we get a little bit better. We're going to write a thesis about truth is hard work. You see what it is, friends? And, and this is what they do. They are searching for truth and the final reality that lays behind visible and invisible. I was just talking there nearly for 10 minutes, waffling on about philosophy, whilst I could have just said the truth all lies in the air. Hey! Now think about that. I've just... Spend 10 minutes trying to explain to you philosophy. By the way, it's much deeper than that. How many books has been written about philosophy? You know what I want to say? There's a week coming up. Grab all those books and make fire with them and let people sit around them and get warm. <laughs> they are not worth the paper they are written on. Now, I'm very sorry if you are sitting here this morning and you feel that you are a philosopher. I've got, news, I've got good news for you. His name is Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. So, let's continue on now. There's two kinds of wisdom the Bible talks about. Two kinds of wisdom. Philip, can I just ask you, there's a young boy looking around the cast. Can you just quickly go out and see who he is? Yeah, just, just thank you, my brother. He says there's two kinds of wisdoms here. One is from heaven. Don't look around. Look on me now. I've I've sorted that out. He says there's two kinds of wisdom. One from heaven and one from below. And, and, And Paul writes about this in Corinthians. He says in Corinthians chapter 1 verse 2 verse 7. He says the wisdom of God. He talks about wisdom of God. And then in verse 19 he says the wisdom of the world. So there's two kinds of wisdoms. So friends... Let's use, like Paul's using it in their place, let's use their, their word that they've created, philosophy, and apply it to us. Yes, I also love wisdom. But whose wisdom do I love? God's wisdom, yes? I love God's wisdom. And, and here in Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2 and 4, he, he, he writes this, he says, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. I love that. This is what Paul writes. He says, man, and I want you to honestly listen to me, brothers and sisters. If I come here and I start talking at, in university language, just grab me afterwards. Just say, hey, brother John, you know what? This morning, whew, you were right up there. I couldn't understand a word you were saying. I'm not going to be offended by that. No, He's, he came to them. He says, look, I spoke to you as a man to man. I spoke on, on your language. And on all. why do I do that? He went to university. He could have done that. He says, Now I preach not with enticing words, but in a demonstration of spirit and of power, so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. You see? He says, first of all, he's not going to preach in man's wisdom, and their faith, look at this now, should not be in the wisdom of men, but in what? In the power of God. But we speak wisdom among those who are perfect, yet not the wisdom of the world again, nor the rulers of the world again. That, no, that comes to nothing. So, let me ask the question then this morning. Where does wisdom come from? Where does it come from? It comes from God. Well, Job says God's wisdom is wisdom and His might. It's with Him. In Job chapter 12 verse 12, He says, With the ancient is wisdom, and in length of days is understanding. With him is wisdom and strength. He hath counsel and understanding. With whom? Who is the ancient there? It's God. When He talks about the ancient of days in the book of Daniel, when He talks about the ancient, He doesn't give God a date of a birth. He's been. He's always been. You need to understand this, friend. You need to hear what He says. Where does He come from? He says, wisdom is with Him. Length of days and understanding. Do you want to understand your life? God has got your life already in His hands. Go to Him. He will show it to you. And, and, and He goes on, He says, with Him is wisdom and strength. Do you need wisdom? Go to Him. Uh, uh, this is what He says. He, he says, where, asked Job, where will we find this wisdom? Listen to Him now. Job 28:12. But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth and it is not found in the land of the living. So, I'm just thinking about Socrates, Thales, Aristotle. These are all philosophers, Greek philosophers. I'm thinking about all of them. And I I would have loved to open up the Bible to Job, to them and say, I was going to do a funny thing, but I won't. (laughs) But I was going to say to them, you are wrong. I was gonna go, duh, you're wrong, okay? <laughs> I've done it now. But you are wrong. Why? Because here here Job says he says he says he doesn't know his UFPC and it's not found in the land of the living. Look, we can sit and think as much as we can, but we will not find it here. The deep says, this is the sea, it is not in me. And the sea says it will it is not with me. Oh, that's under the sea, the deep. It cannot be bought for gold or silver cannot be weighted as a price. Verse 20 From where then does wisdom come? And where is the place of understanding? It is hidden from the eyes of all living and concealed from the birds of the air. Abaddon and death say we have heard a rumor of it in our ears. God understands the way to it and He knows its place. I love the word of God, isn't it? I don't have to explain that, it says it for itself. He says that is where you find wisdom, and you know what? The Lord gives wisdom, that's what He does. Proverbs 2 verse 6, He says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up the sound of wisdom for the upright. He shields to those who walk in integrity and guarding the path of justice and watching over the way of His saints. I was working in a company in New Zealand and there was a Hindu lady working there. I think some of you have heard this to me before. But she was writing to Hinduism. Now Hinduism loves wisdom. They love words of wisdom. Because that invigorates them. Okay? And, and I was working with this lady in the same office. And she came to me one day and started talking. And, and you know what? I couldn't open up the Bible and start preaching to her. And that, you know, I, I can't sit there and say, oh, let me just tell you, you know, you, you actually, Hinduism is wrong. Let me tell No, no. You know what I did? I took Proverbs. And I would take a proverb, put it to memory, and I would go in there, and she would start telling me words of wisdom, and I will give her the proverb. Now, I wouldn't say it's Proverbs 2, verse 8. I wouldn't say it's Proverbs 15, which says a soft answer turns away wrath. I will only say you know what there's a writing that says a soft answer turns away wrath." and she would think wow that's what, what can you say it again and and she would write it down she would write it down and you know what a couple of weeks later she will come back and she will quote me back the proverb and this is the thing dear things Wisdom comes from God. He gives it us through his word, and we can operate in that wisdom. He gives it to us. The Lord gives wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5. He says, If any one of you lacks wisdom, what does he need to do? Let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. Wisdom. Proverbs 19: the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is inside. Now I want you to see this now. He says, the Lord gives it who comes to knowledge, okay? Um, let me go back to one place. He says that it is shield, it is hidden from the eyes of the living and concealed from the birds of the air. Can you see here that Job says that wisdom is hidden from the eyes of us, of the living? See that? So you see, God is not just going to throw His pearls before the swine. Now as you become a child of God and as you grow in the Word of God, you know what's going to happen? The fear of the Lord is going to come upon you. And as the fear of the Lord comes upon you, He will give you more wisdom. Where does the fear of the Lord start? When you come to the cross and you understand this God and you fear Him who you know. You can't fear anything you don't know. Let me just say to you, you know, I, we work with people in the world and they, they use the Lord's name in, in vain. Has it happened at your workplace? Have you heard some of your friends do that? You know, when I was a young Christian, I used to get upset. Oh man, I came to my pastor and said, man, I can just go up to them and grab them and say, Thou shalt not use the Lord's name in vain. But you know what, what was it going to do? It's only going to generate a fight. And then I realized, they are not blaspheming my God. They can use the Lord's name in vain, that's what they've heard, it sounds good to them, but it's not the God that I serve. They've got no knowledge of Him. And because they have no knowledge of Him, they can't fear Him. Let me give you an example, okay? You come out of outer space, you haven't been on the earth ever. Just go with me with this one, okay? And somehow you come floating and boom, here you land on the earth. but... You didn't land amongst all of these lovely people at Karim Downs who's smiling at you and is going to come around and say, how are you? You've landed in this room and there within this room is a lion who hasn't eaten for a week. He is so hungry. And all of a sudden you land right in the middle of this thing. So what is the first thing you're going to do? You're going to walk over to the lion and say, hey kitty, 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 kitty. And the next thing he bites off your hand. Why did you do it the first time? Because you had no fear of him. Why didn't you have fear of him? Remember, you came from outer space. You didn't know lions. You didn't know people. You just saw this living thing. And he, he went. And you saw his teeth and you thought he's laughing at you. You thought he had a smile. I mean, he's genuine. He's giving you a smile. And as you walk over, because he's giving you a smile, you want to pat him on the head. And boom, off is your head. You're to the back of the room. Now let me ask you, when, will you approach him again like that? Will you go over with your other hand now and go see? Because he's still smiling. No, you won't. What happened? You gained knowledge about him. And now that you know he can hurt you, what's going to happen? Your approach is different. Now, by far, this is not about God. The fear of God is not that kind of fear. But friends, people in the world are like that. They don't fear God because they don't know him. I don't give them an excuse to swear I don't do that I pray for them but here it is he says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge thereof 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 5 so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God yet among the mature who we do impart wisdom although not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age look at this who are doomed to pass away you see that? the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away where is Socrates where is Thales they have all passed away but yet I said Jesus is yesterday, today and forever the same wisdom is with him and this is why he warns us you see the philosophy that threatened the Colossians wasn't this kind of philosophy what threatened them was the the Gnosticism that came in the the no oh we've got revelational knowledge don't worry about your bible we know more and this is now coming back into churches where people will walk in and say this is not the only thing there's more than this god will reveal it to you revelational knowledge this is what happened not only that there was the jewish mysticism that came in there was a uh, the Greek philosophy and all of these things comes in. Friends, we live in the same thing. Today, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed how the Word of God is trying to be watered down. In some churches, not even preached. But they call them churches. I, I remember back in the day, there was a group that came... A man came to me and says, Oh, we've got Bible studies. And when we come around Bible studies, we take a scripture verse and we read it and we go around the group and say... What does this scripture verse mean to you? Well, it means to me this, and it means to me this, and it means to me this. And man, we walk out of there with a lot of wisdom, and I think, man, what kind of wisdom is that? What kind is that? What we do here on Sundays? Are you do you honestly think it's my wisdom I'm giving you? No, I'm preaching the word of God. That's why when I preach, I want to have as much scripture verses on the board as I can. I want you to hear Him. I'm not more clever than you. I haven't got more wisdom than you. I'm just studying the word. Oh, but this Bible study group, I said, okay, so who in the group went back to the word and confirmed what each one said against? No, we don't do that. No, no, no. It's no time for that. We see what man thinks about the word. Do you think that is erroneous? Absolutely. Let's continue on. He says, Let beware that any man pull you through this. Now the second thing he says is vain deceit. You see that? Vain deceit means it's an empty delusion. It's like a hallucination. It's like a vision. It's like fantasy. And friends, I'm gonna ask you, you be the witness. How many times in our day and age do you hear people preaching about visions? Oh, there I was, and I had this vision. Okay, the Bible talks about visions, but where do you need to where do you need to test that vision from from the Word of God? God will not go against His Word, and those are the visions. It's empty vain to see. The danger here is to ask a question about things with no clear answer, and you find it so many times. People want to ask questions about the Bible where they, there's no clear answer on that, and they want to confuse people. But then, when they understand, you don't know the answer, oh, that's when they step in and go, oh, I've got this revelational knowledge. Where did you get that? Through visions. I've had people coming to me. They tell me a lot of nonsense and I go, wow, where is it in the Word of God? No, 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 you won't find it in the Word of God because God revealed it to me. How? Oh, there was an angel who visited me. There was an angel who sat down and he told me to write down all of these things. Friends, I'm not telling you nonsense here. It's true. I've heard people. There's one man who built a whole ministry around this. Eight sayings from an angel. That's what he calls it. And he preaches that to people. And they believe him. They use the word artfully which has a cheating appearances in knowledge. You see, let me tell you, I was thinking about this and I, th- I thought, Lord, how is this? You, you know these Scottish players with these, uh, these blowpipes of theirs? And those baggage filled up with what? With air. That they're just—they look so puffed up. They look so big, but it's full of air. There's nothing in there, and this is what happens with these people. Listen, you can listen to this. This is what philosophy does. It's an empty bag. That's what it is. It is a big bag full of nothing. And for some people, it makes a nice noise, but for others, it's a screeching noise. There's nothing in it. It's vain words of deceit and. And let let me just give you a few examples of this windbag that's full of air. Preaching today starts with man rather than God. Now, now why do I preach this? Why did Paul warn us? Why am I preaching? You came here this morning. You you want to be lifted up. I hope the Word of God lifts you up this morning. But you have to know this in your day and age. The preaching with a lot of people starts with man. It's all about me. And I want you to go and listen, friends. When people preach, who is the center of their message? They say, Jesus came to make you bigger and better you. Best life now. This is what they preach. They will preach. Listen to me. I've listened during this week to a sermon. I've listened to a sermon this week. This man, for the first 20 minutes of the sermon, he was just talking about himself the whole 20 minutes I said Lord that's 20 minutes I could have used better then he used one scripture verse talked about stuff in the world used one scripture verse talk about stuff in the world I want to say this morning dear friends that's a windbag full of air there's nothing in there this is what it is now I'm bringing it home now for you it's not just words in the Bible and it's back in the day it's in our day Listen when people preach, who they are preaching about. Preachers today preach about themselves and not God. That's what I just told you, and they tell personal stories. Preachers today are changing the Word of God. They write their own wisdom. And they would say, the Word does not, nothing for me anymore, and it contradicts itself, and they start writing books. I'll tell you what, friends, there are people who's just reading book after book in the bookstores these days. They don't read the Bible anymore. And he says, beware... They will come into churches and they will see that you're, that's who you are, and they want to chain you and take you away. Now, let me finish off with the last two. The other one he says beware of is what? The tradition of men. Oh, man, and this one, I can preach a whole sermon on this. Because this is what our Lord Jesus Christ walked into when he dealt with these Pharisees and Sadducees and the scribes. It's the tradition of men. Those back in the day, in Paul's day and a little bit before that, there were those who believed the hidden teachings was too sacred to be entrusted in books. It is so sacred. The only way that you can do it is to pass it on from lip to lip. Now, in a way, they can say, well, that is what's been happening from the beginning of time and it's true. When God started dealing in the Old Testament to people, He wanted them to pass it on from one generation to another generation. To talk to their children about it. He says it in Deuteronomy. He says, this word shall not go from the front of your, your, your forehead and not from your hands. And you will tell it to your children and their children. It's true. He did say that. But you see, this became in traditions now of men. Jesus wrote about this in, Matthew, in Mark chapter 7. Uh, and you will find people often when you can find these people that they come in and say oh Rabbi so and so said this and Rabbi so and so said that I've met people like this in my, in my time I, I witnessed about that last week to a brother we've had a brother near a church in New Zealand and he came in and, he, and man every time he walks in he said oh this guy man did you hear what he said this week he's one of these tele evangelists and then he goes on he says the next week, did you hear what this this lady said, tell evangelist? And this went on for month after month. He coming to church and this person said that, and that person said that. And one day, I, I just stopped him. I said, "Brother, what did Jesus tell you this week? What did God tell you this week? What do you mean?" I said, "Every time you come in, you quote this person, you quote that person. But you never seldom quote the word of God." And this is it—the traditions of men. You know, people tell stuff and they tell these stories and people get so excited about it. This man, he got sick and he went into hospital for an operation and he asked. He told the hospital that he wants me to be there when he comes out of the operation. I was there. And it's so wonderful, brothers and sisters. When he started coming out of his, his uh, anesthetic, he started quoting scripture verses. And he said that this is what the Word of God says, the Bible says. No, no, he says it in these words. It is written. It is written and he would quote scripture verses. Traditions of men, be careful of that. And we find it. Look around you. There's certain things, certain churches deem to be important. He talks about the rudiments of the world. Rudiments of the world. This, this is, uh, the application here is to the ABCs. It's, it's linked to the, to the alphabet. But what it is, in its essence, is the course of the world. He says, it is the effect of the, the world belief. It's a cause and an effect. You do something naughty and you're going to be punished. You do something good and you're going to be praised. This is what the world believes in. I mean, you walk around and the world talks about karma. You get what you deserve. You get what you deserve. And they teach that now. An eye for an eye. And it's the same with us. And they bring it into churches. The problem with that teaching there is... That there is no grace in that teaching. The grace of God. The grace of forgiveness. Forgiveness. So four things, my friends, that we need to look out for as we study through this. Galatians, he writes, Paul writes the same to them. He says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to elementary principles of the world. It's the same thing. It's the rudiments of the world. It's what the world believes. But now that you have come to know God and rather to know by He God, how can you turn back again to the weak and worthless elementary principles of the world? You see, he calls the things of the world weak and worthless. Who slaves you. There's that picture again, that military picture. You want to be once more. You observe days, months, seasons and years. And when I get back, we're going to look into those. So the warning is here, out here for you and for me. This morning Now It ends in verse 9 It says, For in him dwelleth the fullness Of the Godhead of God bodily And he addresses Every single Gnostic in that church With that sentence In him, in Jesus Christ, dwelleth the fullness Of the Godhead bodily What is he saying there? He says that when Jesus Christ came to this earth He was fully God and fully man fully God and fully man. The Gnostics believe that heaven is good and earth is evil. So God couldn't have come to the earth. Jesus couldn't have been God with us. That's what they teach. And it is reviving in our day. These people is bringing it back again. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 2, John writes down, he says, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is from God... This spirit is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already Now let me just show you that this has happened in the day There were three churches close to each other There was Colossae, There was Laodicea, and Hierapolis those three churches were churches that Paul not necessarily went out and, and established. But when they came, when Epaphras came to Paul in prison, he talked about those churches. Now, Paul warns these churches, he says, Beware it. there is any philosophy that comes into your teaching. Beware for any vain deceit and any traditions of men. Now, I believe totally that this is the letter that he sent to Colossa. Now, back in the day, they didn't have photocopy machines, 0 machines. You take this letter of Paul in there and it goes... They didn't have that. So, if they wanted to take this letter, they either physically took it into the... and this is what they did. They came into the whole congregation and they do what I do now. They read through the whole letter. Wow, we got a letter from Paul, let's read it. And the whole church will sit captivated by the words of Paul. But then they would take this letter and they would go and read the same letter in Laodicea. Although it's addressed to Colossae. They will go into the church and they will read it to the whole church. And they will copy it, so they will write it over exactly word for word and take the letters out so one will have the copy with them now look at this, I end with this because I believe something happened in the church of Laodicea. look at this here, in Colossians chapter 4 verse 16, and when this letter has been read amongst you it talks about Colossians letter have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. in other words take it over there, and see that you also read the letter of Laodicea. you see that? So can you please open up in your Bibles this morning for me at the letter of light is here? Have you got it? There is no letter of light is here. So what happened to the letter of light is here? It's a very good question. I haven't got the answer for you, but I can make a suggestion this morning. It's only a suggestion. That even in that day that when they copied that letter over, that when the fathers sat down and put the canon together, and if you understand how the Bible was put together, that they must have looked at that letter from Laodicea and said, look, it's already been tampered with. There's already a changing of the word. This is the suggestion, okay? Because it's not there. You say, but wait a minute. What's your premise? Where do you find this? I look at the letters of, Ephes- of Ephesus to Ephesians, to the Thessalonians and I find similarities in each and every one of these letters in all of those letters so most probably and again it's a suggestion they've looked at the letter of Libesia and when, when it was copied over they brought in philosophy vain deceit because friends the devil wants to change the Bible because if he can change the Bible the new generation who's growing up is going to have a false Bible 1C is not there and I'm not going to put it back in there. You say, why? Because when I read through the seven churches, the letters to the seven churches back in Revelation, there I find the letter of the church of Laodicea. What does it say? He said, though you were cold nor warm, I will spit you out of my mouth because you are lukewarm. There is a sign for us. The church in Laodicea became lukewarm. How? How? How can a church become lukewarm? With this when there is philosophy, vain deceit, traditions of men, and the rudiments of the world come into the church. Friends, as long as I stand behind this pulpit and the Lord give me strength to do that, let us keep warm with the word of God. Let us not become lukewarm like the church in Laodicea. There is the proof there. That church became there's a letter who came to that church back in the day. The letter to Lydecea. He wrote it to them. Paul wrote it to them. What would have been in that letter? Let me speculate. I believe that he would have written to that church the following Beware lest any man support you through philosophy, vain deceit, tradition of men, and the rudiments of world and not after Christ. Did they take heed? No. No. You say, how do you prove that? Go and read in Revelation. They became lukewarm. How do I apply to you in my life? Friend, like these churches, you need to stay and be careful in your life, in your spiritual walk. Don't you become a prey for somebody who wants to pull you away from Christ after themselves? Amen. Have we learned something out of the Word this morning? Praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you, Father, for the truth in your word. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Father, we thank you for these letters which were written for us as a warning here in Karim Downs. We pray now, Lord, as you go with us this week, Father, that you will go with each and every one.